So I'm here with Steve Smith, who is one of the many Steve Smiths, who populates Twitter and has quite a following there, but it might not be any of the Stephen A. Smith, Steve Smith, or any other Smiths that you're thinking of, but he is no less a basketball expert. And he's also been through a little bit of a what I'm going to call an online fiasco lately. So, Steve, you just want to tell us a little bit about what you do day to day and maybe lead us up to what I'm calling the fiasco. <laughs> sure, sure, Josh. Um, look, so I work in I work in digital media, uh, and I also uh, I've also been a sports journalist uh, for quite a while now. I, I write uh, feature articles for ESPN Australia, and uh, I've uh, yes, yeah, so over the last probably I guess three or four years since the since the rise of the cricketing Steve Smith have uh, have had a little bit of fun online with uh, with you know both mates and. Uh, Pretending to, you know, at me as if I was the cricket captain, and then, then inevitably that led to people not realising that I wasn't the Australian cricket captain and mentioning me as if I was, and uh, which was always entertaining. Whenever Australia toured India, there'd be some Indian fans, or if we, or even in, in the Ashes, if, if Australia was in England, you'd get some English cricket fans abusing you, and I tended to take it all in good fun. But uh, it, it pretty much reached its pinnacle. Uh, at the start uh, a few months ago with uh, the sandpapering ball ball tampering incident and I woke up one Sunday morning with uh, a few jokes and uh, a couple of you know Twitter mates sort of oh well done you know you're a disgrace to this country and, and you should never you know represent our country again and so I screenshotted a few of the responses and just posted quite good naturedly morning everyone and that went off and uh, it resulted in quite a number of people continuing to abuse me uh, to the point that I actually had to block a couple of people because the abuse actually got uh, got way out of hand. And uh, it actually ended up with a number of uh, breakfast radio shows wanting to interview me about it, which I thought was pretty ridiculous, really, when you think about it. Like, it's very Simpson, Simpsons-esque, you know, Homer, Homer Simpson, same same name as a guy on TV. You know, local man has same name. It just It just didn't register with me that it, this is at all this this shouldn't be a story but it's unfortunately it's 2018 and everyone needs their you know radio airtime filled with just you know inane stories like this uh but i wasn't i wasn't going to um to, to do that and I, I actually turned out all the radio requests i just didn't see the point to be honest um but it was very funny and I, i'm i'm still getting quite a bit of uh no matter what i say like the, the people who mistake me online will always they just won't accept that I'm not him, and I, 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 it's it's incredible to me because they just they they I, I don't know whether they see the verified tick or, or I'm not sure, but they they just don't accept that I'm not Steve Smith's cricketer. Cricket is basically close; it's nigh on a religion in Australia and other countries around the world, including India, as Steve mentioned. Especially India, yeah, and our. I'm assuming now former captain, I don't follow the sport that closely, was involved in one of the most public ball tampering incidents in the history of the sport. Yeah, yeah it's 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 like scuffing up a baseball and, you know, tampering with a baseball, you know, to, to, to get an, an unfair advantage. Yeah. So I guess in a in a baseball parlance it'd be like, you know, the old mud ball or something like that. Yeah. Um or, you know, uh, I think uh 
Elston Howard, when he was the Yankees catcher, he used to scratch. He used to keep his shin, the clasp on his shin guards really sharp. So he'd give the ball a bit of a scratch and then throw it back to the pitcher when he was with the Yankees. <laughs> this is like in the this is like in the fifties and sixties. Obviously, you can't do that now, and, um, but it's similar. So they they, they sandpapered the ball and, and got in all sorts of trouble. And, and yes, the, the Steve Smith cricket captain has been suspended by Cricket Australia for a year. So he's actually off to play cricket in Canada of all places, which is why it's kind of strange that it came. It kind of coalesced today into. Steve agreeing to have time to do this interview, and and me and me seeing that oh, I'm going to call him just for a, the Twitterverse, the real Steve Smith. We'll call him in this case when it comes to cricket. He has agreed to play TD or T20 in Canada of all places. But just getting back to where I was going, it was an, seen as this massive bubble of media from all sides recognised. Well, for once, even in our country, which isn't as polarised as some. Most of the media agreed that it was a quote unquote disgrace or a national disgrace and and the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show because I think I don't want to make out that it's, you know, some fantastic story either like morning radio might. No, it's, no. it's the amount of time that people have not believed you. No, and no, it, and that's yeah. <laughs> and it, it's it, still people now that just seem to think that you're still him. That surely yeah. they they just click on your profile and you're not obviously you have a strong following online, but you're not one of the most famous people in this country. Like no, <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's both amusing and frustrating. Um, yes. Probably more amusing than anything else. Um, I, I tend to get mostly, I, I'd say, eighty-five to ninety percent of the interactions I have with people mistaking me are, are pretty good. And then there's there's always a minority, I guess. And uh, sometimes you just have to employ the old block button. Before we move on, I don't want to get too bogged down in that because we've no. got some we've got some important goat related conversations to talk about today. <laughs> I was just wondering, is there any that particularly stand out as being funny, that moment of realisation of people thinking, oh, actually, you're not him. I'm really, really sorry. Or... Uh, no, it, it, what I found interesting at the height of the ball tampering one was that the people who mistook me for the cricket captain and then realised they weren't so much apologetic, but there was quite a few who actually got angry and abusive at me for pointing out that I wasn't him. It, it was really quite bizarre yeah. because – I, I, I'm, I just, you know, and a couple of times I just sort of posted screenshots, and it was a group of people. Like it wasn't just one person. I wasn't singling anyone out, and I, you know, sort of said, "Well, this just, this just doesn't stop." And th- these people got really angry that that they hadn't taken the time to look at the profile, that they hadn't taken, you know, any sort of notice about who I actually was. And then when I point this out in a fairly good-natured way, I wasn't being abusive or anything like that. They they then turned on me and, and roundly abused me for for not being the real one. So, yeah, I, I just couldn't get my head around that, to be honest. Do you think that maybe that's a sign of just how, as much as I find it ludicrous, it would be, to me, it would be similar if we had one of the great tennis players of all time and they did they threw a racket at a referee or a chair, like a ball mm. or something and hurt them. It's In a different sport, I can probably understand being just as disgusted do you think it's a sign that these people were so raw and it really did hit them emotionally that they were angry that the Australian cricket team, and just to use that flawed analogy of like religious figures again, they're they're not reachable by the public in Australia at all, but you were. And to find out that they thought that they'd finally been able to directly comment to the guy, mm. to then find out that it's not him, that might have just sent them over the edge. 
Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think it's probably more – it more probably points to the state of, I guess, you know, to quote-unquote the discourse in, in 2018. Like, you know, media, social media in 2018 and how people, you know, there are – I won't put a blanket over everyone, but I think there are a lot of people who just don't take the time because it's such an instant – because social media is such an instant snack. Like it's, you know, it, it, you take it all in these bite-sized instant chunks – and there's no nutrition to them. So people yeah. people's attention span suffers as a result of that. And then so they're not taking the time to actually say, Oh well no, that, that actually isn't the proper Steve Smith. And then and then rather than rather than actually admitting it, you, it's it's not the done thing to admit that you that you're wrong, you just double down. So and and yeah, I I I, I think for a lot of people social media exists as, as a way to vent too. And so they just it, it's all blind rage really and that's fine it's a free country yeah that's it i just think maybe you just became the pseudo pinata steve smith maybe yeah a little bit yeah a little bit so i think we'll move on to a maybe more personal question for you and i considering where we've lived and maybe a more important question and it's something that also happens on twitter and i think you and i found ourselves in the middle of a conversation regarding ben simmons on twitter one day and I think we might have been seen as just pure homers. And the topic was, and it was after a really impressive stint by Ben Simmons in his first season, is he the greatest Australian basketballer ever? And it was asked in a way that it was actually a serious question, which to mm. me, which is probably what set me off, that they asked it as though it was even something to be thought about at the moment in 2018. The guys played, what, 60-something games, <laughs> or however many he played yeah. for the season. And I didn't probably treat any of those questions that came up around that time with the respect that they probably deserved because they were asking them legitimately. And I want to know, when you see that kind of conversation online, and we'll get to who we probably both agree is actually Australia's greatest basketballer, but how do you, mm. when you see that kind of stuff, do you just feel, how do you feel about the sports, indus- the sports industry when they're, like, is that just click, is that clickbait? No, it's not really. Like, I, I, you can have your conversations about it. I, was it probably... Was it premature to ask that question? Yes. I think the question probably should have been phrased differently. You could maybe ask, is he the most talented, oh, yeah, without you know, that. Australian male player? I would have been okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I think – and again, it comes back to what I was saying earlier about social media and, and just – and these bite-sized chunks and takes. So I think the, the hardest part of that – is is to separate and what, what's a legitimate question and what's not, and so for me, by all means, ask the question about Simmons. I I just think it was vastly premature to start throwing the gr- word greatest around yeah. when, you know, was it probably? I, I think undoubtedly, it, it's in the top two best NBA seasons by an Australian player ever. Um, you know, may I'm maybe thinking about Bogut in in his when he was all NBA third team, but probably in, you know all things considered, it, it probably was the best NBA season by an Australian, and that's remarkable in in somebody's rookie year. So sure, you know, most talented we're probably ever going to have, but you know, and certainly probably the most talented we've we've had so far, but. To, to you to throw the word great around, I thought was a bit casual, and that's I mean, and that's. But again, that we come back to that how modern media works, and you need not so, look clickbait in itself is actually okay. I'm okay with 
making people click on something to, to go read it, provided what's inside there is actually worthwhile reading. There's, there's no problem with incentivizing someone to go click as long as it's worth reading. It's the ones that, that you know, that promise so much and deliver so little that, that you then have a problem with. But yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, it said okay, but I just think it could, probably could have been phrased. There, there could have been some nuance to it, but that that can be hard to find in 2018 too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just think the difference between a question like, does Ben Simmons have the highest ceiling of any basketball player we've ever had versus is he already the greatest? Yeah, that, 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 and there's the nuance. There's the nuance that you, that you need. And that's the the context of it. Like just dropping a straight greatest ever, I think just it cheapens the discussion and I don't think there's any need for that. Yeah, and, and this is probably where I move into the territory of maybe I am a little bit of, you know, a homer and it's more sensitive to me because of the people I know. And we're, what we're getting at is I think that we would both agree that Lauren Jackson is the greatest Australian basketball player. I'm not sure. I don't want to put words in your mouth. but I've... No, no, I think I think if you have – any sort of educated idea about basketball and, and and basketball in Australia, I think that that has to be the correct answer. Uh, I'm pretty strong on it. I, I think she is. I don't think, and I don't think it should be an argument. Um, if 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 Lauren was a male player uh, and had achieved what she achieved, you know, in the NBA, she'd have been, you know, lauded from you know, from Melbourne to Albury and back again. Like it just, it, it, it's not even a, a, you know, multiple MVPs, championships, medals in the Olympics. There's there's nothing more she really could have done. And to me, that's that that's just the end of the argument. It's, it's just such a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think to me, whenever I, because that conversation, I think because Ben Simmons has so much potential that, that conversation quickly morphs into is he the greatest and it kind of it means that that conversation around Lauren comes up more than what it maybe ever has to me I mean you would probably have seen it more throughout your life than I have being in the sports journalism world and being around people that probably talk about that question more but to me it was just (sighs) those type of questions also to me denigrate the quality of women's basketball in Australia a little bit to me that it's just not it's almost like asking the question and also pushing aside an entire part of the sport at the same time. Like, oh, she's the greatest female player, but we're talking about the men's players here on Twitter. <laughs> and I don't know whether maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into that or... No, no, I think you're right. I, I tend to think that, that that can happen a little bit, but oh, we're, we're just... Because I think I think the default for most for a lot of people is, especially guys, is to say greatest player and you don't have to say male. And that, that so if people are talking about the greatest player, they automatically mean a man. And I think that does a massive disservice to to female players, to, to, to women players. And I think, and especially for someone like Lauren, and to a lesser extent, someone like Penny Taylor, you know, those sort of players have done so so much for not just the sport, but you know, even at a juniors level for junior participation, all those sort of things come into play. You know, the number of kids in Albury Wodonga who took up basketball and I'm not just talking about girls, I'm talking about boys too, who took up basketball because of Lauren. You know, that just in just in one little region. So never mind in Canberra or in you know wherever else. That that has a massive flow and effect. And I think just 
talking about the greatest male player diminishes that, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly fair. We don't want to agree about everything tonight, so we don't, <laughs> yeah, but I think we're both on board with that. Just maybe further to that conversation, I just wanted to talk about just sports journalism as a whole because I'll relate, mm. I'll relate this little story back, and it might hit on some of the same themes. It's, it doesn't seem as though in, if you're in the sports journalism world, you're competing with qualified members of the same community and your peers anymore. For example, I heard the other day a podcast by Malcolm Gladwell, and mm-hmm. he seems like a pretty smart guy. And I mean, I think his books are very simplistic. A lot of people think that they're genius, but I reserve the right to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think there's some. I think there's been a long there's some long bows drawn by him in some of his books. Yeah. But anyway, do keep yeah. going. And he made a statement offhand the other day that Roger Federer is the greatest tennis player. And the second greatest player, I think he, he was an American player, and I think he might have said it was Arthur Ashe. Or, uh, yep. Sorry, I, I don't actually, I can't remember the name of the gentleman. And I just thought, wait a sec, Serena is better than anyone ever. Like, that's my opinion. I mean, maybe that's not as popular and there's probably more debate there. This guy has a huge audience and he just put that out there. I mean, if she's not the greatest and Federer is, she's the second greatest. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, I think though that would be the consensus, you know, one and two yeah. uh, across both uh, men's and women's tennis. Uh, I would, you know, if, if you're being honest about it, you, you, you put Serena ahead. But I, I can see the argument for both in this particular case, but I, I still think it's Serena. Yeah. But the natural inclination for even someone like Gladwell to just go, I'm talking about the greatest it's going to be. I'm talking about men, oh, and then I'll talk about the greatest w- woman player. Like I think, I, th- I think that argument's slowly but surely being moved around. I think the conversation now means you have to, you know, someone like um, Andy Murray is very good at making sure that women's tennis isn't left behind. That may be Andy Murray's greatest legacy as, <laughs> as a player because you are right. He is. He's probably the biggest voice in the sport other than, you know, some of the women themselves. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that's one of the redeeming qualities of Andy Murray, a person that I thought may be short on them over time. But Yeah, look, I, I think – but 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 yeah, the point stands is that he, you know, that, that means that, that that conversation at least comes up now that you can actually say, well, hang on, it's not just about Federer or Nadal or, you know, whoever else you might want to mention – so just what I was trying to get at, I guess, with that is now that you're you are still writing, I'm going to say I'm going to say part time. I hope that's not pejorative. On a semi regular basis, yeah, semi regular basis, and the quality is always incredible. The stuff you put out, it is competitive out there for any kind of sports journalism. When there's people that have huge audiences that aren't schooled, maybe in the history of sport in general commenting about it like a Gladwell because he's obviously very knowledgeable about sport and I think he loves sport. He's got to, he's got to be sucking up a lot of attention there. I guess in terms of that, some, somebody like that, or, you know, an author talking about sport uh, and obviously he's written about it extensively. Like that's, that's a little different. I think, I think if you, I, I guess I'm operating in a, in a sort of realm there where I can, I, I don't not necessarily pick and choose, but what I write about, isn't you know necessarily I'm on a hard deadline or you know I'll, I I get to write a, a I get to write features and that's to me that's telling a story so I'm not necessarily competing on a day to day for the clicks um, and I guess that makes it somewhat easier I think if you're a if you're a sports journalist today especially if you're in a monumentally 
global sport like like league like the NBA is, being on a day to day beat would be exhilaratingly stressful. I think. Yeah. Um, I listened to uh, Howard Beck's podcast the other day with the three Cleveland beat writers, uh, and who I, I did meet them when I was in in Cleveland in 2016, and uh, I met two of them. And uh, you know, they they remarkably all three are fiercely competitive, but they're all very good friends as well, and that's pretty much unheard of um, in some of the other markets. It's incredibly petty and you know almost almost dirty in terms of the, you know trying to get a scoop over someone else um but that that would be a hard that would be a hard slog because not only are you look you get to live your dream you're writing about the nba night after night you're also away from home 41 games a year plus playoffs you know in someone like dave McMenamin's case who writes for espn in cleveland he's been there for the last four years and he's not from there he has no family there you know he lives you know, essentially by himself and on off days he might go to another city where he's got family. And that you know, and the NBA is, you know, it's twenty four seven three six five now. And for him there there just isn't a lot of downtime. And I think that that would become the burnout factor would be very real. And the respect I have for those sort of writers uh is off the charts. Yeah, so just regarding that burnout, when I'm assuming part of that pressure comes from the actual length of the news cycle, not just being 24/7, but now that well, at least with the NBA, yeah. it's one. Well, it's probably the most global league when you came when it comes to consistent English language content. I can't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it it, it runs all year now. There, there's very little time. You know, maybe. Well, even even during free agency, it, it used to be quiet, but now it's just you know even the middle of July and and then August is July August becomes summer league and and even that gets you know probably disproportional coverage now, um, just simply because the audience is demanding you know stories content, um, and they want to hear about how draft picks are playing in Vegas, and of course the the, the downside of that is that people will inevitably overrate the performances they see in something like a summer league and the the, the poor rookie who, who gets overhyped and then suddenly discovers the real stuff is a little bit harder. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm quite sure Alonzo Ball will be okay. Yeah, I, I, think um, might be, I think he might be quite good in a couple of years. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he'll be okay. Yeah. He'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, look, I, it, and yeah, it, it would just be exhausting having to do that. I mean, I, I wrote about, you know, a second tier league in Australia for, for 10 years and every year, you know, and I, I had to write what three or four stories a week. And once the season was finished, I was really glad because I suddenly got, you know, you get your weekends back to an extent and, you know, for, for a good four months there, you don't have to worry, you know, from September through to when teams start signing players, you know, which is probably December, you don't really have to, and through to January, you don't really have to write too much about it. Imagine having to do that, you know, every week of every year, just on end, like you, you, you would get your holidays, but it's, it would be, yeah, it'd be debilitating. It's, 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 it's a tough grind. I don't envy those guys at all, particularly now. No. The, and sometimes I always, I find you can tell when certain people are just very tired, particularly some of the guys that do yeah. the very hyped up TV shows and they've got to talk about guys from Europe or players in general that are developing in Europe. Just the scope of players that you have to have your head around as 
someone that's making sports journalism at that level now when maybe they're not all coming from yep. North America and to be and to be able to have an opinion particularly one that's legitimate on players that have been playing in Euro League for 2 years or whatever else mm. it must be a 100 hour a week job oh yeah it's and it's at all hours too like you might be just having dinner and you know somebody else from this from a different pu- publication online or or in print in you know in your city gets gets a scoop and all, well then you're scrambling and you've got to you've got to catch up yeah exhausting is is just I'm tired thinking about yeah. it okay. <laughs> so I, I was we agreed to not keep Steve too long tonight. You might have to go just see how much abuse he's co- copying about Canada on Twitter, maybe. <laughs> the, uh, no, we're, we're, all, we're all good at the Yeah, moment. I just wanted to ask before we finish up, hopefully we can get together in the future again and just talk about general crap. So there's a couple of articles that you think back about, whether that's stuff you wrote locally here, because I know you wrote a couple of really timeless articles. I'm not sure whether... There's a whole lot of material in that archive besides yours that can claim that. <laughs> I don't mean that to. I'd hopefully that doesn't sound harsh, but you wrote some of the best stuff I've read locally. Is there oh, is there anything that really sticks out to you in your own mind that you think people would, if they want to check it out, they can? Yeah, look, I guess look, the stuff that I've written for ESPN over the last eighteen months uh, has been I've, I've really really enjoyed writing about. Um, I, I got to write about Marty Clark when he because he was an assistant assistant coach at St Mary's. You know, over the over, while while Delhi was there, and prior to that, he was the head coach of the Australian Institute of Sport, and he was largely responsible for what's probably been a golden generation of Australian players to come through the ranks. He coached Bogut, he coached Delhi, Paddy Mills, Joe Ingalls, all those guys that are now in the NBA were coached by Marty Clark, and and that was I really enjoyed doing that. I probably actually the first story I wrote for ESPN is probably the one I enjoyed the most, which that was a story on Aaron Phillips, who. Who risked her, NBA, her WNBA career to come play Australian rules football in the inaugural season of the Australian Women's Football League, uh, AFLW, and she did not get insurance or medical clearance, medical insurance clearance from Dallas in the WNBA. So she came out here, and if she got hurt and then went back to Dallas for preseason and she failed her physical, they could have voided her contract. And she risked all that because she loved playing football so much. And she and her path to football as a, as a as a youngster had been as a junior had been stopped from you know when she, as soon as she turned thirteen she couldn't play under twelves anymore and there was no pathway so she could either go play netball or basketball or something else but she couldn't play footy so for her to be able to then then go back and not just play but play at an elite level she was one of the three best players in the competition all season and for them to win a premiership uh, and I, I think. I really enjoyed writing that story because she was, her and her, her and her, her dad were were so accommodating as well, and I think that's part of the the fun of writing these sort of features is the people you get to talk to, and it's not just about writing what they say; it's actually about having a real conversation. And I think that more than anything else is is the uh, is the reward for 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 what you do. You've just made me think of something that I've got you on here, so I'm going to have to ask when when okay. you're producing a piece like that. And you, and you go in obviously with the idea of collecting, you know, the story. You might have an idea what you want it to be. How do you, how mm-hmm. do you balance getting to know people? And I would assume if it's a positive experience, getting to like them, and not having that too strongly colour the story that you're trying to tell because it might become a little bit more personal. I'm asking as a non-journalist here. I mean, obviously, yeah. Look, I, I think you, you get a bit of an antenna, I guess, for for 
judging people, not not judging them, but getting to know them and and find you like you can you sort of know when somebody's trying to sort of lead you on a little bit. And I guess the people that are genuine, they they don't mind talking to you. It's never a chore. And f- and if you especially if you've got follow up questions, especially if you need to talk to them a second time, if they don't mind, I think that says a lot about them. And I think just generally, like you, you tend to try and it can be really hard to because especially if you don't, you've not previously had anything to do with them and you ring them and then you sort of, I try and get a quick outline of how their day is going and just talk about, you know, what they've been up to and things like that. And I guess if you do your research, probably you at least have an idea of what they're interested in and to at least make them, and for most of them, for most of the athletes, they're very media, for lack of a better word, savvy anyway, they're not necessarily thinking that you're going to do them wrong or anything but but they've always thought they always think about their answers and the ones that can actually speak with candor and and actually really take an interest in what you're asking I think they're the most interesting ones um and you know someone like Matthew Delavadova when I wrote the Marty Clark story I spoke to, to to Delhi for about 10 minutes and then we got off the phone and 90 seconds later he rang me back he goes, one other thing. And he told me this really great story about how Marty had always said to them when they were at the Institute of Sport, yes, you can have a girlfriend, but she better rebound for you in practice. <laughs> and and he goes, my fiancé rebounds for me in, you know, yeah. when I'm practicing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's just the perfect – it's the perfect little anecdote. But you don't get that without establishing some kind of rapport with – the person, but also that person has to has to be genuinely interested and be a good person to to talk to. I've, I've interviewed enough athletes who who weren't like that, and it's and the difference is noticeable from the get go. So it's the engagement and the connection you can make, and uh, I think it comes down to to them as much as it comes down to the. Journalist. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because the more people I speak to for this show, if we happen to stumble onto what they do as a profession. It seems like hard work and persistence and actually time in the game seems to always uh, develop good things <laughs> in this. Yeah, it really does. There, there's no there's no shortcuts, and especially not in this industry. There, you know, I think everyone who's made it in this, in, in this particular field, in any field really, has, has done hard yards to get there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I've worked hard and I think I've, I've – but at the same time, I've really enjoyed it. It's it, – I wouldn't change anything of, of how it's how it's gone. It's um, something I love doing. It's as as hard as the work can be. It's never it's never so hard that you don't want to do it. And is there just before we finish up? Is there anything that you're working on at the moment that has you particularly excited? Is there any story ideas or article pieces or anything coming? And uh, not at the moment. No, just I'm actually with the NBA season finished. I'm actually uh, quite happy just to take the foot off the off the pedal for uh, for a month or so. But um, Given you know the relative excitement of the, of the upcoming NBL season and uh, and things like that, I've, I've got a few things that are just sort of ticking away in the back of my head, and uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how how they they play out. Do you want to tell us what your actual Twitter handle is for those people who want to follow you? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, um, it's at Steve Smith FFX, which is actually just a uh, 
a little um, hangover from my days as a Fairfax journalist, and uh, I just haven't got around to changing my Twitter handle. I'm just so used to it now. So uh, that's that's where I'm at. You're going to break all those tweets from all those people if you change it. You don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Excellent. So, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always, and it's good to get as always it's good Josh. to have someone challenge me on my stupid thoughts about sport. I like it. <laughs> right up. No, no drums at all. Thanks, Anytime. mate. We'll talk to you soon and uh, all the best with the articles in the upcoming NBA season. So, and, and, and NBL. NBL is pretty exciting. So, Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's on the rise. It was a good talk. Thanks, mate.